It's time for Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. Good morning, honey. We're beginning John 15 here in our Chasing the Word series. I'm glad to have you at the microphone with me today. It's great to be here, as always. And it's almost a miracle that you are, because your voice has been pretty much gone for the past That's few days. True. But thank you for giving it a good shot today. I'll sound very interesting during this discussion. The deeper the voice, the more the gravitas, the more people will take us seriously. <laughs> of course, I'm yeah. sure. The author, John, compresses the story. Mm-hmm. By the time we get to this event, the passion of Christ, he expands the story because there's so much happening and so many critical moments. Yeah, I think this is the crux of the teaching of Jesus in John 15. As John himself perceives it. Mm -hmm. So his perspective is the book. You know, the other Gospels are the truth just as much as John is. They tell the story as forthrightly and as clearly as they can from the perspective of those who wrote it, inspired by the Holy Spirit to bring out the things that God intended for them to see, Mm -hmm. which will be a little bit different than the person sitting next to you, which is why you and I sit across from each other each week to do these studies. It's not just about one man or one woman's teaching that matters. I really do believe it's about the family, Mm. the kingdom itself. And this is about the smallest unit we can think of within the kingdom (laughs) of God is you and I, because we made that commitment to be together in this, in the kingdom, doing this work together. So thank you again Mm. for doing this. Well, let's jump right into John 15, beginning at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the vineyard keeper. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have spoken these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. There's a lot of remain in me and I in you and I in the Father. (laughs) The way this translation is written is a bit confusing if you're not really focused on that Jesus is saying these things. Again, you're reading a translation of a Greek text of a conversation that happened years before, probably in Aramaic. Right, right. Of course, it's going to feel odd. That's why it's so freeing to realize that over history, the whole notion of translating the Word of God it would be a spirit-led exercise no matter what. Absolutely. And that's why we've had no fear in saying this offering we have in this dynamic gospel that is the centerpiece of this study 
is something that we are proud to present because we know it's not the definitive translation of anything, but because you and I have spent a lot of time with this word, this book, in this context, and we spent time translating it as best as we can. We call it an edition because I'm not calling myself an official translator. (laughs) The point for me was that the word of God is in fact accessible to those who are not just scholars. So taking that into account, the remain in me, we hear that and it keeps repeating itself. It's not unreasonable to consider that this is kind of poetry. The cycle of the verses talking about what it means to remain and in me and the idea of pouring out and pouring back in. Remain in means to hold. It means many things in the language, not just stick around. Mm -hmm. And we hear it in English, remain in me, like it's an odd phrase because Mm -hmm. it's more than just being with. It's like saying, I have swallowed you or you have swallowed me. Mm -hmm. It's that kind of image that doesn't make really much sense. We're that connected. And when the church has looked at the elements of communion over all these centuries, they talk in that great mystery. What does it mean to really bring Christ in? And why would Christ even want to bother being in? I wouldn't want my children to make me disappear and put me in a place where they couldn't even have a conversation eye to eye with me. Mm. But the idea of them swallowing me, taking me in, even after I'm long gone, and in the very heart of them to know me as a dad, as a man, and for you as my wife to know me, whatever happens, whichever person in our relationship gets called home first, one of us is going to remain probably to be the widow or the widower someday. Mm. And at that time, will we, you and I, have enough of each other in each other that we can represent each other well to the world and to our family, even after we're gone? That to me is obviously what Jesus is after here. That remaining in is, can you see it? Can you smell his clothes when you (laughs) go into his closet? Can you see his attitude, his perspective, his worldview coming out of you when he's long gone? That's why I think he keeps hammering away on this remain in me. Mm -hmm. I want to remain in you because he knows they're going to be separated very soon. I think that's an interesting concept to think through. Jesus is trying to pour so much into these men and women before he's gone from their presence that they'll be able to do exactly what you just said. They'll be able to exude his presence. They'll be able to be him in places that he needs to be that he physically can't. Represent means to represent. Exactly. And he's saying, be present so that I can be represented Mm -hmm. in you. Well, I think about even now at times when I'm with our children and I hear them saying things or repeating little phrases or family jokes or memories that we Mm -hmm. have. I hear your voice in them sometimes, Hmm. especially our oldest son. And he does it purposely sometimes, I think. He does want to yank my chain. He does. (laughs) He'll make a comment or use a familiar phrase that you use often. And then he has this little smile on his face as if, see, that was dad. That's dad's saying or whatever. And we treat it as silliness sometimes. But there are other times when I hear our children say things when they're not thinking as hard about what they're saying. And I think, well, that was their dad's voice. They got that from them. Sometimes I hear my own voice in them. Sometimes we hear our own parents in ourselves and go, oh my goodness, I can't believe, you know. (laughs) What I said, I would never say. Yeah. I think this is a similar situation. They are hearing so much of Jesus and he's pouring so much into them. He wants them to be able to repeat his words down the road because he knows I'm not going to be here to remind them. He has promised the Holy Spirit to remind us. And I think maybe he's feeling a little separation anxiety in some ways, too, as a man, as a human. And he's like, I'm going to miss these guys. I'm going to miss these people that I've spent so much time with. Yeah, and it's not just about me going away to be apart from them, but what he knows he has to go through Mm -hmm. to do this. This is the great goodbye Mm. as far as the man goes. Yeah. 
he's going to become something very, very different, but very much more of the same. I, mean, I have a hard time even myself thinking in terms of how human was Jesus after the resurrection, mm. after he's gone through this and gone to hell and back, literally, in order to do what he has done for us and will continue to do for eternity. How he presents his scars to the people as open wounds. Mm-hmm. They may heal over in a miraculous, eternal way, but there's something about the presence of that exact act which will never fade from him that we could literally put our fingers in his hands or in his side if we really wanted to. And he would let us, like he will later challenge Thomas to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing what it really is like, but I'm in no rush to go to heaven to find out. I want to see everything I can find out on this planet (laughs) first. Exactly. I think we need to mention, too, here that he makes a very definitive I am statement again in this. He's making a habit of this. In this chapter, yeah. I am the true vine. And then again, he says, I am the vine. A few verses later, we always want to highlight these statements, these I am statements, because these men and women that he's speaking to know the scripture from back in Exodus, where God, Yahweh, says to Moses, I am. Right. That is always something that has just knocked people every time Jesus has made an I am statement up to In this a few point. hours, it's literally going to knock people <laughs> off their feet, onto yeah. the ground when they hear that very phrase. Who are you looking for? I'm the one. I am. And yeah. it literally explodes in that context. And people are, as we would say, slain by his spirit on yeah. the spot. Yeah. There is incredible power in that statement, but only because of who's saying it. Yeah. And of course, we have to remember that every time he says I am, it includes... I always have been, Mm -hmm. I am right now, I always will be this. So the thing we're talking about is the thing I am. He says, I am the true vine. That indicates that there are other kinds of vines Mm. and that we have to discern this. Every time he says, truly, I say to you, in other words, I am not lying here, but others will. He doesn't reiterate the point to drive home that he's the only one ever saying anything. But that you have to understand this is different than what the world is saying to you Mm. and what every other false messiah might try to say. Mm -hmm. And when he says, I am the true vine, what does that tell us? Mm. Vines grow. It's not really a vine if it's not growing, if it's ripped up by the roots and it's dead. So when he says, I'm a vine, I am the true vine, he's saying, I'm alive. I have roots I can give you an analogy here of who I actually am in all of my many virtues and realities. Mm -hmm. I am as real and as tangible to you as that grapevine right there that I'm shaking the leaf of while I tell you this (laughs) metaphor. This teaching about Jesus being the vine and the followers being the branches is a hard teaching because he goes on to say that those branches that are not producing fruit... They're going to be cut off and thrown out. That's really hard to hear. I don't want it to elicit this fear, like, oh my goodness, am I producing fruit? And am I the true branch? Am I connected to the true vine? That feels like a very anxious thing for Mm. me. We have to realize that all we need to do in this situation is remain in him, abide in him, live in him. He is the one who pushes the life through us. He gives us the life to produce fruit. We can't do it on our own and we can't make ourselves be fruitful. We just abide. I've used this analogy before of a, a great friend of mine who speaks at conferences and retreats, and she uses this visual where she has a cup and a plate and a saucer mm-hmm. and a pitcher. She said, you know, if you're holding a pitcher trying to pour the liquid into a cup and the person holding the cup keeps moving the cup around and running around trying to give everybody a drink from their cup, the cup never gets filled. 
The cup never is able to hold anything of substance. But if you will just be the cup, just sit there on the saucer, on the plate, the saucer and the plate are going to get filled if the cup is still and gets filled. But we can't fill others. We can't do ministry and produce fruit for others to be encouraged by if we ourselves are not being filled. Hmm. That also seems to indicate that the idea that we have this noble notion of pouring ourselves out for something is good may not be. The remaining in means that the overflow that he's filling us with would be the best. Exactly. And we often get ahead of him. Two things about the vine that kind of jump out to me. The idea of being grafted in. He's saying this metaphor as something that's going to be an eternal truth, one that's going to actually grow and be understood even deeper in the generations to come, what it means to be grafted in. The people of Israel believed they were the true vine, Mm -hmm. just by nature of being who they were. Whether or not they were close to God or not, they were the vine. No one else is going to get to the truth but through us. They already had that concept. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is saying, no, you have to be grafted in to me. He's not saying that to the Gentiles. He's saying that to the Jews in front of him, his own people. So he's saying, what I'm about to do is bigger than even this. Not that I'm going to supplant you or throw you aside to go to these others, but even you, the beginning generation, need to realize that you need to tap into the source and I'm it. The graft does not graft itself. It has to be there and present and available so that the master gardener can splice, join, tape, grow. (laughs) Well, the father is the vineyard keeper. Yes, he is. He's the one who does the grafting. He's the one who connects us or disconnects, depending on whether or not we're producing fruit. Good. And that's the next point for me. That graft that gets put into Jesus, you bet Jesus feels it when it happens because it's him that's being cut open to enter in a new life that he will feed. Hmm. He's never going to draw short on energy or strength or supply to do that, but he will notice. And when we're plugged into that, if we are not flourishing, it's not because he's not putting out. We're blocking it somehow. So it is never Jesus' choice to cut off that vine or let it wither on him. He can't wither. He's life. But apparently we can. So there's got to be an element of will here to saying, either I'm going to try to be my own vine and act like I'm the root and therefore not take nourishment from the one who has the roots, or I'm going to try to produce a fruit on my own to prove that I'm worthy of this. (laughs) But again, the next point, whose fruit is it? Mm. We could easily say, oh, it's all God. You know, God produced all this fruit. Yeah, but where were you? Mm. Every branch will bear that fruit. And you and I are those branches. He doesn't bear fruit apart from us. He puts it on there to bear fruit. So the fruit he wants to produce is not right off his stalk. The fruit is ours. And therefore, it's not unreasonable when someone says, I see real things happen in your life. What's going on in your heart? I want to know the story. For us to say, you're right. It is my story. It's also God's story. Instead of being hyper-spiritual and deflecting and saying, oh, no, 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 it's all God. It has nothing to do with me. Where were you in this story? Don't be afraid or ashamed to own the fact that you have said yes. You've allowed God to really move in you, to dwell in you, to move through you, and that fruit's on the edge of you because of him. And what a joy it is to be part of it, to be the one that God used, a vessel to produce even just this one clump of grapes. That God will use somehow to feed and nourish and create beauty and richness in the world because he used us to do it. Yeah, yeah. 
I love that. I love that we can be confident that God wants to use us. And this indicates that, that we are producing fruit because we're attached to the vine, because we're abiding in Him. For 78 years now, we've depended on the faithful encouragement of friends just like you to bring this unique radio and media ministry to the air each day. You can drop us a line, ask a question, submit a prayer request, or download a free Bible study guide in just the same way. It all happens at CompassionRadio.com. This dynamic gospel is available to you in a handy paperback edition, and I'd love to send you one when you send your gift and ask for it. Remember, this is a 100% listener-supported ministry. If you've never supported us before, would you consider doing so this month? I know many of you can and want to give more, so I'll not be shy in asking for that support. Thank you for seriously considering this request and challenge. Our toll-free order line is 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. If you need to call early or late, that's okay. Just make sure to leave your name and phone number, and we'll get back to you immediately when the doors open each business day. You can also give anytime online at CompassionRadio.com. And if you prefer to put a stamp on it, you can always find us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. God bless you as you stretch your faith. I hope we can be a real encouragement and challenge to you for many, many years to come. And make sure to ask for your own copy of The Dynamic Gospel when you contact us today. We are producing fruit because we're attached to the vine, because we're abiding in Him. Yeah. We don't have much time, and we kind of went past the midpoint as far as this particular discussion on it. But we do want to get in the Dynamic Gospel version of this before we close today. Again, this is the book of John, chapter 15, starting at verse 1. As the disciples got together their things, Jesus continued, I am the most fruitful vine planted in the best field. My father started this vineyard and tends it carefully even today. He doesn't waste time with dead branches. He cuts out the useless thickets and prunes the false starts from the productive branches so that they continue to produce fruit more and more. The words you've heard me say accomplish much the same thing, cleaning up the mess in your hearts. Since you are branches, you'd best stick with me. Firewood and mulch don't produce any fruit. Live branches produce fruit. But we need to do it together. Remember where the root is. Without me, you can do nothing. I am the rootstock. You are the offshoots. You were grafted in for the simple purpose of producing fruit, my fruit. Together we can produce a bumper crop. Without me, you'll have nothing but withered leaves and bitter raisins. If you insist on going it alone, you're headed for the slash pile. What else is the farmer to do with you? All dried up and lying on the path. You'll be tossed to the flames before you become more of a nuisance. But if you stay rooted in and grow patiently, my very words coursing through your veins, when you have a need, the request will rise to my ears like music. It will be natural for me to tell you, yes, consider it a done deal. You know what brings my father great honor? to see you become fruitful and productive with your lives in the things that matter. It shows you learned something after all, and that I'm not a half-bad teacher. To the same degree the Father demonstrates His love for me, together we demonstrate it to you. Learn from it, live it, and don't stop. And here's how. Take seriously what I've told you. Memorize it. Follow it. Obey it. Then you'll know how much I've loved you all along. 
You've seen it in me since we first met. I pursue the things my father approves, like a bulldog after a bone. His love for me doesn't depend on performance, but it sure is great to hear him say how proud he is. I'm saying this now so that when I'm gone, my joy will live on in you. This joy will feed your souls and keep hope alive. This is the rule by which I've lived. Now I pass it on to you. Live lovingly toward each other. Be intentional about it. Do you want to be great in love? Count your life as worthless compared to the honor of loving. That means serving your friends. My true friends live by this rule. Closing thoughts for you. I think verse 7 is what jumped out at me the most mm. in this whole discussion about John 15 so far. In the Dynamic Gospel, you write, But if you stay rooted in and grow patiently, my very words coursing through your veins, when you have a need, the request will rise to my ears like music. It will be natural for me to tell you yes. Consider it a done deal. I love that because yeah. it reminds me that he is so eager. Yeah to hear from me. My voice is like music to him. Music has always been important to us and to our family. That is such a comforting thing to hear from God himself, from Jesus saying, your voice is like music to me. We use that turn of phrase a lot just in regular life. Your kid says, homework's done, music to my ears. (laughs) Because it is, there's something in our heart that resonates with a a truth, a reality, a, Mm -hmm. a message, a love note to us. Every parent knows within a split second if someone's arguing downstairs or celebrating and laughing. Yeah. It's the same volume, same throats, the same lips speaking those things, but you could tell the difference so quick. And God can obviously tell the difference in our tone of voice when we approach Him. He knows all of our tones. He knows us. Yeah. So remain. That's the challenge for this first half of John 15. We got to cut it off here because of time, but friends, this Dynamic Gospel Project is yours. We'd love to have you enjoy it for free. Check out the Bible study notes that we have on every podcast at CompassionRadio.com. And if you'd like a copy of the full edition of the Dynamic Gospel to read along with your other translations, we'd love to have you have that. Whatever your gift is to the ministry to keep us going on the air, it's yours as our gift to you. So thank you again for spending time with us on Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word.
This dynamic gospel is available to you in a handy paperback edition, and I'd love to send you one when you send your gift and ask for it. You can drop us a line, ask a question, submit a prayer request, or download a free Bible study guide in just the same way. It all happens at CompassionRadio.com. Make sure to ask for your own copy of The Dynamic Gospel when you contact us today. Remember, none of this is possible without you. If you believe hearing the good news from the front lines of faith builds your faith, then let us know today. Just call us at 1-800-868-2478. Write us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859, or make your gift through our website, CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.